Wonderful job. Appreciate that good song. And uh, pray for them as they now continue on after camp and uh, those that were able to go uh, this year. And uh, then pray pray about next year. We'll be going back to camp again next year. Pray for the decision to be made concerning that as well. And uh, I love camp. I really do. I, I, um, I just, I love it. I love everything about it. Uh, other than... Uh, having to share a shower. Uh, somebody said, what's the best thing about getting home? I said, not having to wear flip-flops in the shower. So, I, uh, But I, I do. I love camp. The fact that, uh, like Brother Paul said, uh, we weren't prepared uh, for the no service uh, on our phones. We thought we'd get there, text the parents, let y'all know that we arrived safely and everything was going good. Then Wednesday night, text Pastor Brown, let him know that everything was going good and uh, that, that Miss Laura had gotten saved and, and everything was going wonderful. And, uh, you know, but I mean, it, you get up and, and I tell you what, it's a little bit weird. You get up there and it says no service and uh, it just, uh, you're, you're cut off from the world. Uh, we're trying to catch pigeons to send out messages. And uh, I think uh, we talked about it. And, and so Tuesday morning, I left the camp and drove about 20 minutes out, almost hit a turkey. Uh, saw a deer, um, you know, and just to find one bar 
And uh, I'm driving down the road, holding my phone, looking, 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 bar, and I pulled over real quick. And uh, I was able to send out a text. And, uh, you know, so that, it, it was kind of different, I'll tell you what. But it was really, really good because even, you know, you go as a counselor and uh, you might still get caught up. And the kids don't have any kind of devices. They, they were confiscated uh, and uh, taken away so that they couldn't use them. Even if they wanted to, they couldn't have. Uh, but even, I, I felt for me, it was a good, a good thing because you're... You ain't got to worry about nothing. I, you didn't have to worry about the Tigers losing, uh, you know, the, what the weather was going to be. It was going to be what it was going to be. And, uh, you know, so it was, it was a blessing to see that. Uh, it was kind of funny during Children's Change Offering, one of the kids brought up a, uh, a credit card and asked, they, I said, put it in. I'll figure out a way to use it. And uh, it's for the tent meeting, so evidently all the expenses of the tent meeting are paid for, depending on the limit of that credit card, uh, which lets me segue into, in February of 2020, we're going to be hosting uh, uh, the Financial Peace University for those that might have credit cards that they need to take care of. I won't mention any names, but that one comes to mind. And uh, it also it reminds me of a little story I read about a mother who took her son to a store and uh, as they were leaving, you know, a lot of times they'll give a kid a lollipop for being good or whatever. They do it at our, at our bank. And uh, the little boy, the cashier, gave him a lollipop. And the mother looked at him and said, what do you say? And the little boy looked at the cashier and said, charge it. And so, <laughs> teaching our kids something all the time. A nine. All right, I'll take that because that wasn't that great a joke. Um, anyhow, uh, I do want to uh, look at First Chronicles chapter 21 tonight. And, uh, you know, in uh, dealing with young people uh, and, and being uh, at camp and uh, making decisions uh, over in the book of Psalms, we referenced this verse this morning, but Psalms chapter 37 and verse number 23, it says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. And uh, we like that part. But verse 24 follows up. It says, Though he fall." That's not a question, that's a statement. Though he fall, he is not utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his right hand. That's a statement and a fact, but there's also a promise tucked right in under there because when we fall, God's got us held. And, and what I want to kind of speak to tonight to the church, and then also because now the young people have stepped back from camp and they're back immersed into the life that they left for just three days. And God was able to speak to their heart. And now Satan, I told him at camp, we're, we had the uh, ability one night, uh, a really good time of talking with the guys in the cabin. And I told him, I said, as soon as you get back, Satan's going to smack you upside the head and try to, try to do something to undo what you've done and to try to make you change the decisions. And the wonderful promise that we find here is though he fall, even though we fall, when we fall, because we will fall, God's going to hold us up. And in 1 Chronicles chapter 21, uh, in study a while back, I was reading through this and uh, read through 1 Chronicles. And uh, the, this chapter 21, we're going to read quite a bit of scripture here. So if you just follow along with me, we'll, we'll read almost the entire chapter. I'll try to uh, keep it a little bit more concise, uh, but go through this. And in verse number 1 of chapter 21 of the first book of Chronicles, the Bible tells us, and Satan stood up against Israel 
and provoked David to number Israel. And David said to Joab, Go to the rulers of the people, go number Israel from Beersheba, even to Dan, and bring the number of it of them to me, that I may know it. And Joab answered the Lord, Make his people a hundred times so many more as they be, but not but my Lord the king, are they not all my Lord's servants? Why then doth my Lord require this thing? Why will he be a cause of trespass to Israel? I, I find it kind of interesting here that it's almost flip-flop. Normally you see Joab doing something wicked and David having to answer for him. But here we have David doing something wicked and Joab trying to hold him back from it. But what we find there is Satan stood up to try to get him to sin so that God would judge Israel. And what I was talking to the young people uh, as we were speaking to them, Satan's going to try to get you to do wrong. And we find here that David ends up doing wrong. And as we look here in verse number 7, it says, And David said unto God, uh, or in ver yeah, verse number 7, And God was displeased with this thing, therefore he smote Israel. We can't be surprised when God chastens us for doing wrong. Uh, we, we can't be caught off guard. Uh, we'll, we'll see the verse, Be not deceived, God is not mocked for us for man, so that shall he also reap. And so he goes on verse number 8, uh, this is kind of the linchpin here that this whole passage hinges on. It says, And David said unto God, I have sinned greatly because I have done this thing. But now I beseech thee, do away the iniquity of thy servant, for I have done very foolishly. And the Lord spake unto Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and tell David, saying, Thus saith the Lord, I offer thee three things. Choose thee one of them, that I may do it unto thee. And then let's pick up in verse number 13. And said, David said unto Gad, I am in a great strait. Let me fall now into the hand of the Lord, for greater his mercies. But let me not fall into the hand of man. So the Lord sent pestilence upon Israel, and there fell of Israel 70,000 men. And God sent an angel unto Jerusalem to destroy it. As, and as he was destroying, the Lord beheld, and he repented him of the evil. And he said, uh, said to the angel that destroyed, It is enough. Stay now thine hand. And the angel of the Lord stood by the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. And David lifted up his eyes and saw the angel of the Lord stand between the earth and the heaven, having a drawn sword in his hand stretched out over Jerusalem. Then David and the elders of Israel, who were clothed in sackcloth, fell upon their faces. And David said unto God, Is it not I that commanded the people to be numbered? Even I it is that have sinned and done evil indeed. But as for these sheep, what have they done? Let thine hand, I pray thee, O Lord my God, be on me and on my father's house, but not on thy people that they should be plagued. Then the angel of the Lord commanded Gad to say to David that David should go up and set up an altar unto the Lord in the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. And David went up at the saying of Gad, which he spake in the name of the Lord. And Ornan turned back and saw the angel and his four sons with him and hid themselves. Now Ornan was threshing wheat. And as David came to Ornan, Ornan looked and saw David and went out of the threshing floor and bowed himself to David with his face to the ground. Then David said to Ornan, Grant me the place of this threshing floor, that I may build an altar therein unto the Lord. Thou shalt grant it, to, uh, grant it me for the full price, that the plague may be stayed from the people. And Ornan said unto David, Take it to thee, and let my lord the king do that which is good in his eyes. Lo! I give thee the oxen also for burnt offerings, and the threshing instruments for wood, and the wheat for the meat offering. I give it all. Uh, to, or I give it all. And King David said to Ornan, Nay, but I will verily buy it for the full price, for I will not take that which is thine for the Lord. 
nor offer burnt offerings without cost. So David gave to Ornan for the place 600 shekels of gold by weight. And David built there an altar unto the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings and called upon the Lord. And he answered him from heaven by fire upon the altar of burnt offering. And the Lord commanded the angel and he put up his sword again into the sheath thereof. And so I want to look at these verses tonight and, and try by the, with the help of God to bring a message I've entitled Building Something Better Out of Something Bad. Knowing that we're going to mess up. We're going to fail. We're going to falter. So that's not very encouraging. It, it's reality. We have to live in reality. We are Christians, but we still have the old nature, the Adamic nature that wants us to do wrong, the flesh, and we have to fight against it. And when we lose... God can still do something great because he's not caught off guard. And so I want to try to give you a few points here tonight and see something that, that helped me in this passage as I was studying and, and just reading through this. So let's have a word of prayer and we'll get into it. Father, we thank you so much for your word. And Lord, what great promises you've given us, dear God. You said if we confess our sin, you're faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Lord, that's a promise that we have to claim on a daily basis. And we thank you for that. Lord, we pray that you just would bless this message tonight. Lord, uh, be with your word. Lord, we know that you said it will not return into you void. Lord, I pray you just would keep me out of the way. I wouldn't say anything uh, that would uh, be wrong, dear God, but it would be your words that would come forth. And we'll thank you for that. Let your spirit and your presence rest upon us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And so as we look through this, uh, these verses that we just read, we see at the very beginning there was a sin that was great. A sin that was great was committed. It says uh, Satan stood up to provoke him, uh, and, and God calls it a great sin. Uh, in verse number 8, it says, even David called, he says, I have sinned greatly. Any sin that we commit against God is great. Uh, and every sin that we commit is against God. Uh, every sin that we commit in our life is a great sin because it is against a holy God. What did Joseph say when Potiphar's wife tried to come and entice him to lay with her? He said, how can I sin and commit this, or commit this great sin? Not against her, not against Potiphar, but against God. We need to stop thinking that we're committing sin against a person or against a place or that it's a little, just a small sin, but understand that every sin we commit is against a holy, almighty, all-knowing God. And all of a sudden it puts it into a different perspective. It's not just a little sin, a little white lie, or this or that. It is a great sin against a great God. And so a sin that was great was committed. It was a careless sin. You know, a lot of times we sin because we're, we're just not careful. Uh, many of the messages that were preached this week... Uh, by, uh, by, the, by Pastor Dean Miller was about fortifying your mind, building up your mind uh, so that the enemy could not sneak in and, and not find a, a foothold to place a stronghold to corrupt our minds. You know, a lot of the sins that we allow our mind to dwell on, the sins that we allow in our, 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 soul, in our spirit are because we are just careless in this world. We're careless in where we go on the internet. We're careless in where we go uh, at the store. We're, care we're, ju we're just not careful. And David here, he was careless in what he did. He, all, he just wanted to number the people, but it was a sin of pride for the king to number the people. God didn't command it. The only time they numbered the people is when God commanded it to be done. 
And so he did this, and it was a, it was a sin of pride. It was just, you know, I, I, I just want to know for me. I just want to know about my kingdom. And, and, and really, as Joab said, he said, are not all them the servants of my king? So it was a, a, a careless sin. In 1 Corinthians, Paul writes to the, the, the church there at Corinth in verse uh, 12 of chapter 10. He says, Wherefore, let him that think he, thinketh he standeth, take heed lest he fall. We've got to be careful. About the time that we feel we're spiritual, we'll find out we're not. Uh, there's, there's a lot of times, you know, you, you have a good day in the Lord, and, and God's giving you something good from His Word, and, and you've had a good time of fellowship with Him, and you step out of the house... And it's like the, the old, uh, you know, Looney Tunes cartoons. The, the, the roadrunner is running. Wiley Coyote's just about to give and all of a sudden a, a piano falls on the coyote. And that, you know, we're walking out, we're thinking everything's great, and bam, a piano falls on us. And, 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 and if you're like me, you think, why did I give in to that? He says there's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. It's going to come. But David had a careless sin because he wasn't careful to keep his relationship with God fresh and new. And that, that's why uh, over in Lamentation, it tells us that the mercies of God are new every morning. Because we've got a new day with new challenges, with new temptations that are going to come up and try to conquer us. And we can't be careless. So we see that David committed a great sin, but it was a careless sin. It was also a catastrophic sin. 70,000 people died because of this sin. 70,000 people. Now you think about that. We think, well, I couldn't commit a sin that, that great. Any sin I commit, it's not going to affect that many people. It only has to affect one to be catastrophic. What if it is the one that God has given you? Your spouse, your child, your grandchild, the one you love. Here it was 70,000 people of Israel that paid for David's sin of pride. Every sin is going to bring a catastrophe. And it's going to leave behind it a wake of destruction. And it was all because he was careless. But you think about that. If the careless sin I... I I allow myself to get into today brings a catastrophe in the life of my child tomorrow. The things that we do in moderation, our children will do in excess, including our sin. They'll see us commit sin and think it's okay. Or as you know, uh, Brother Paul had a good discussion with the young men about leadership. And, and how uh, Trevor spoke to that tonight in his testimony. And, and how these young boys are looking up to him to see how he's going to step out into adulthood. These young ladies are looking up to Jillian to see how she's going to step out into adulthood. And how now they're going to handle themselves as they get a job. And they have to pay bills and reconcile church with schedule and outreach with schedule. Is the faith that we have at camp going to become the faith that we have in life? Because when you're at camp, your schedule is set for you. You have to do whatever. But you're an adult now, and you can choose what you do. Will it be the choice 
to do what God wants you to do or what you want to do. And so we see here that David made this choice. It was a careless sin. It was a catastrophic sin. It was just a, a great sin. And then we see the sacrifice that was given. Um, and, 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 you know, you think all the way back to the garden. Adam and Eve, the sin of lust. What, what does the Bible say about lust? Uh, when it is conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin when it is finished, bringeth forth death. The sin of lust and Eve's heart for that fruit brought forth death in the life of her son Abel when he was slain by Cain. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? That, that, that simple sin of lust led to that great, what we think simple sin, led to the great sin of murder. And it was the great sin of lust that led, why? Because somebody allowed themselves to, to get caught up in something they shouldn't have got caught up in. And then what had to happen? There had to be a sacrifice given. An animal had to be slain. Uh, blood had to be shed. And we see that here as David uh, is commanded uh, to go and give a sacrifice. It was going to be a costly sacrifice. What did he tell Ornan? He said, I'm not going to sacrifice anything to God that does not cost me something. It's going to cost me. And, and it will cost us in our lives. It cost God His Son. What greater cost could there be for sin? But He, he goes, and it was a costly sacrifice. But there, what, I, what I like, kind of, what speaks to me about this passage here uh, is in verse number 18. Uh, we see uh, that the angel of the Lord commanded Gad to say to David that David should go up and set up an altar unto the Lord and a threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. There was a certain stipulation on how the sacrifice was going to be accepted. Couldn't just offer it any old way. What happened? Why did Cain get sideways with God? Because he brought a sacrifice that wasn't accepted. He brought what he wanted. And yet God is telling David here, hey, you're going to have to go up a certain way. Well, that sounds a lot like Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father but by me. You know, God... Uh, we, we can't just come to God flippantly thinking that anything we're going to offer Him, He's going to accept. I mean, you know, a lot of times you ever get somebody that does something and uh, they'll come up and they'll say, uh, well, if you were offended by that, I'm sorry. That's, that's, the, uh, that's kind of a, the, the opposite of an apology. That's, that's, I'm sorry that you're so sensitive is what that's really saying. <laughs> And, and, but does that really make you feel good about the apology? No, you're like, well, that's not even a real apology. Or, or, uh, or, or this example here, they, they blast you out in front of everybody and then text you later on saying they're sorry. I appreciate that. But we, we can't just come to God. We're going to have to humble ourselves. As the Bible says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Or in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, when he says, If my people were to call by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. That was written to the people of Israel, but that's a principle that we can apply to our lives that God will accept us if we will humble ourselves and ask for forgiveness and repent. As we already mentioned the verse, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But we have to confess 
Not just say, oh, you know, Lord, I did that, so thank you very much for forgiving me. But be sorry. We live in a society that people are not sorry for anything. They blame other people for what they have done. It's, it's, it's so-and-so's fault because uh, I, I've been downtrodden, or it's so-and-so's fault that, that this happened, or it, nobody accepts responsibility anymore. And it's, it's, it's worked its way into the church where we won't even accept responsibility for our condition between us and God and our relationship. It's the pastor's fault. He doesn't preach good enough. Or it's the church's fault because we don't worship good enough. Or No, it's our fault because we're, uh, as the preacher said, we got stinking thinking this past week. And we sin and we don't get it right. And God cannot bless that. And so it's going to be a costly sacrifice with certain stipulations to come unto God. But then uh, what, what I see here in this passage is you get on down there uh, towards the end of, of these verses in verse uh, 23 through 25. Uh, David buys this threshing floor. He's securing custody of this threshing floor because he's going to build what I call a structure of grace. And so he buys this, this area right here. And he's going to build an altar to put the sacrifice on. To give uh, sacrifice unto God. So he purchases this property. Now, what I find interesting about this threshing floor is that it is a barren area that they would use. It had to be barren because they would need the wind to come through. And as they would throw the wheat up into the air, the chaff would blow away and the grain would fall to the ground. So it couldn't be uh, enclosed. It couldn't be, it, it had to be open to allow the wind. Kind of like our parking lot here. If you ever see the inside of my fence, you'll see two by fours uh, everywhere. Uh, holding that fence up, all the panels, because... Uh, if this were a threshing floor, it would be perfect because that wind comes across there so hard sometimes, it'll rip those panels right off. And so uh, you'll see the redneck ingenuity on the other side uh, if you look in there. Uh, and you also see redneck ingenuity, by the way, I have my tomato plants uh, with green buckets, orange ratchet straps up on it. It's, it's wonderful uh, the way we've done it. All I'm missing is duct tape and zip ties. Uh, but anyhow, so the threshing floor, he buys this barren area and he's going to build something there to worship God and so God wants to take the barren area in our lives where there is nothing and build something and he wants it but the thing about before it could be built it had to switch custody it had to switch ownership and that's why when Jesus bought us, he said, you're not your own. You're bought with a price. He purchased us to build in us a structure of grace. And, and even though we fall, he still wants to build. It's like that, that children's song, he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to build the sun, moon, and stars, the earth and the planet, Jupiter and Mars. At least I'm remembering this one. And it's better than this little light of mine this morning. But then he goes on and says, he's still working on me.
Why? Because God is ever building in our lives. And we will mess up. We will fall. We will stumble. We will trip. We'll do, I mean, we're going to. But God still wants to build. Now, what's really neat about this passage is you see here that David builds an altar. And he worships God. And judgment is state. But I, I want you to turn over, and, and as I was reading through, turn to 2 Chronicles, if you would, chapter 3. 2 Chronicles chapter 3. This just, this jumped out at me as I was reading through these passages. So David has committed a great sin. He's sacrificed and paid for the sin. He's built an altar. But look what happens in 2 Chronicles chapter 3. It says, Then Solomon began to build the house of the Lord at Jerusalem and Mount Moriah, where the Lord appeared unto David his father in the place that David had prepared in the threshing floor of Hornan, the Jebusite. And what this says to me is where David committed this great sin in his life. It cost 70,000 lives. David comes, he humbles himself, he prays, he gets forgiveness from God. But now he owns this property and he builds an altar and God stays it. But God wasn't done there. He wasn't done with just an altar. You see, so many years later that David had prepared that place for something else. And Solomon took that threshing floor where all this happened and built the most beautiful temple to worship God that had ever been seen. And we might not look like much, but the Bible tells us what? No, you're not. That your bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Wherefore, glorify God. That place that looked barren and scarred with sin became a structure that showed the grace of God in the land of Israel. And it takes me back to this verse. I want to read it. I don't want to try to quote it so that I don't mess it up. In Romans chapter 5, he says, For as by one man's disobedience was many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. We're a bunch of messed up folks. I mean, just look in the mirror. We got problems. But God's got solutions. And if we will allow him to forgive us, and we forgive ourselves. I mean, you think about it. David committed this and 70,000 people died. But you notice there in 2 Chronicles chapter 3, it says, but David, where David prepared. Solomon was able to build because David, even though his sin cost people, God forgave him. I believe David forgave himself and prepared to do something greater with the lesson that he had learned 
So what's our hang-up? God's forgiven us. Like we said this morning, he said, I will remember your iniquities. I will remember them no more. We're all broken. We're all scarred. But God wants to build something great in our lives. A picture of grace. That we're forgiven. He says, you know, we, we read that verse this morning that we're uh, adulterers, fornicators, all these different things. He says, such were some of you, but now you're washed. Now you're sanctified. Now you're justified. We are sinners. Saved by grace, but sinners no longer. Because we're under grace. And where he has applied the blood, he cannot see. So tonight, I ask you, is there, is there something in your life that God wants to take? And though it seems bad, He wants to build something better. He, he wants to build something greater for His glory. You look there in 2 Chronicles chapter 3, uh, or in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, when they dedicate the temple on this plot of land that David bought because of the sin that he committed to offer the sacrifice that was necessary to get the forgiveness that was needed. It says, When Solomon made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the house, and the priest could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down, the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. There might be some people that need to see God work his grace in your life that will enable them to worship God for the goodness they see there. And it just might encourage them in their life, that God has grace for them too. I mean, you look at that over the course of all these years, from just a threshing floor to where the foundation of the temple of God would be. He can take nothing and make it something if we'll just allow Him to do that in our lives. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. And Lord, I pray that this has been encouragement because it, it has been encouragement to me as I studied. Dear God, to know that we're going to fall, to know that we're going to mess up, but to know, God, that you're there and ready to forgive and ready to continue to build with grace. Help us during this time, we pray, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just stand with our heads bowed, our eyes closed. We'll let the piano begin to play. We won't sing uh, for a few moments, but just heads bowed, eyes closed. The altar's open. If there's something in your life God wants to deal with you about, God wants to speak to you, God's been speaking to you, hey, this would be the time, this would be the place to come and talk to God about it.